Welcome to Conversations from the Edge of Consciousness. I'm your host, Christine Madeira. For me, and possibly for you, the inner world of consciousness has always been much more real and way more fun than the so-called real material world. Growing up, I thought I was alone in this, but I'm not. There are a lot of us, and far too many have no one to talk to who shares this experience. I've been lucky to cultivate a community of friends who love to talk about the energies, ideas, and vibrations that are pushing the edges of our own consciousness, as well as our collective consciousness. In Conversations from the Edge, we share our conversations with you. Welcome to Conversations from the Edge. This is your host, Christine Madeira, and we are back today with Jana Romer. And Jana has synthesized her two great loves, astrology and yoga nidra, to create astro nidras, which is a great meditative practice where your body relaxes to a deep state, but your awareness remains online and you're able to do some amazing work in this state. And she also has a wonderful membership community called Attune to the Moon, which I recommend that you check out and you can find Jana's information on conversationsfromtheedge.net and on, in the show notes. So welcome, Jana. It's fabulous to have you here. This is our last conversation about the Zodiac. I'm kind of sad. <laughs> I know, me too. It's hard to believe it. <laughs> I know. Yeah. But it is Pisces and Pisces is the 12th house of the Zodiac and it is quite an interesting month. So tell us a little bit about Pisces and then we'll go into this Pisces. Awesome. Yeah. So Pisces is the last sign of the Zodiac. And when we look at the wheel of the Zodiac, Aries is the baby and we go around and we develop all these beautiful life skills, get to know ourselves and our value. And we come to serve and we get married and some get divorced and some write a book and, you know, we hold roles and responsibilities and we find our soul people and when we get to Pisces we become the elder and Pisces as the elder is really like preparing to retreat from the physical world. It's Mm -hmm. the death, right? Mm -hmm. And when we move from Pisces to Aries, there's that moment of death and then rebirth and the cycle starts again. And so Pisces is mutable water and it's Mm -hmm. ruled by Jupiter and Neptune. And mutable water is one of my favorite elements to contemplate because mutable means that it's mutating, it's changing. It's the most Mm -hmm. transformative mode of an element. And water, when we look at how water changes, the way it purifies is it evaporates. Well, I mean, there's more, but it evaporates back (laughs) up to the heavens and formulates Uh in these clouds and it rains back down into earth. And so water in its own way goes through this death and rebirth cycle continually and Mm -hmm. it's just such a beautiful representation but a lot of people that understand astrology they know that the water signs are the most sensitive signs they feel everything pisces is no different and some might even say that it is the most sensitive sign of the zodiac interesting because it merges you know it merges Mm -hmm. with what it sees like and we need that merging essence to be part of Pisces so that when we die, we merge back to source. Right. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it makes Pisces really difficult to know because they're constantly merging with their environment. They're merging into the conversation. They're merging into the families. And what people often 
love about Pisces is that they get to know themselves through that relationship because the Pisces will often mirror back the other rather than actually show themselves because they naturally merge constantly. And so they become more like the environment Mm -hmm. that they're in, just like the shape of water. It doesn't have its own container. It doesn't have its own shape. It always acquiesces to the shape of the container that the water's in. And so that's really nice for somebody who is with a Pisces. (laughs) Mm -hmm. As a Pisces themselves, they can sometimes feel like they get lost, that nobody knows them or nobody cares to get to know them. But it's this tricky little place where to be liked and to fit in and, and to be harmonious in their environment, they merge. And they don't really want to cause big waves and they don't want to cause um, discomfort for people. And then they end up losing themselves. And so one mm-hmm. of the big debates with Pisces is they're either here to serve or to become the martyr. <laughs> Interesting. And, yeah. Serve or suffer. And, you know, the symbol we often associate Pisces with two fish swimming in opposite directions. Mm-hmm. And so I've heard people say it's two emotions pulling you in different directions, but I think it's more than that. I think it's the personality and the soul swimming in different directions. You know, it's like, Oh, these two parts of myself, they intersect, but then they also leave each other mm-hmm. and the way that they'll sacrifice parts of themselves in order to meet the moment. And Pisces being, you know, one of the most etheric signs of the Zodiac. It's interesting because in the body, they live in the feet and so they can, they do really, really well at being in the psychic world or being in the mystical world or the spiritual realm. But part of Pisces work is to continually find their feet again, to remember, no, you're human. You can't just run away. You can't just escape this human life. You came here to be a human. So be a human, just be the human that you came here to be. Where oftentimes, you know, one of the shadow sides of Pisces is just to escape and run away. I'm Pisces rising. And everything you've said, I'm like, a check, check, <laughs> check. Um, so it's amazing, like how they, how, and every time you've hit something that has been really significant in my chart, like, I'm like, wow, like that's exactly me. So um, it's, it's always fascinating in something that, you know, seems like it could be so general, but it also feels very specific. Yes. Especially when you look at somebody's whole chart and start Mm -hmm. to read the whole chart, you're like, whoa, how is this even, you know, I love Pisces. I have some incredible Pisces moon. My husband and my firstborn are both Pisces moons. Mm. I have a really, one of my closest girlfriends is a Pisces son. I really love Pisces um, as a sign. They are magical. They're mystical. They, you know, they bring something the heart and the compassion and the empathy in a way that really no one else does because of how deeply they feel. Mm-hmm. And I think if anybody, you know, knows a Pisces moon, they, you know, exactly what I'm talking about, yep. <laughs> yep. you know, cause it's like, wow, I, I couldn't cause harm. You know, the Pisces moons are the kids that naturally just like pick the spider up and take it outside without ever seeing mm-hmm. it. Cause they're like, no, I don't want to hurt that thing. I don't want to hurt that <laughs> spider because they would never want to cause suffering because they feel everything so deeply. Mm-hmm. And one of their challenges, is they think that everybody feels so deeply and they can't understand how people would be so cruel. Yeah. But not everybody feels that deeply. Not everybody has the, that depth of awareness that allows them to see the way that suffering is so pervasive, mm-hmm. you know, and especially the receiver of a Pisces moon, 
or the Pisces moon, how they're seeing other people, you know, everybody has such, there's such a variety of sensitivities across the Zodiac Mm -hmm. that it can be, I think it can be super challenging. And as far as, you know, if I went into stereotypical idea of like men being tough, right. Mm -hmm. Um, For a man, a Pisces moon can be one of the hardest moon placements to have because they, they maybe try to show up in that persona of being tough, but they're the softest, sweetest, most loving, cuddly lovers. (laughs) Right. I, I only said that as stereotypical. I'm not saying that it's not true for women, women also with that Pisces moon, all humans, Pisces moon in general, all genders, Pisces moon is so loving and sweet and sensitive. And in medical astrology, the remedy for Pisces in most things, like <laughs> I was reading mm-hmm. the medical astrology book before we started and um, you look at ail- ailments under ailments. And the first remedy for almost everything is get more sleep, (laughs) (laughs) get more sleep. Isn't that the truth though? Mm -hmm. And it's because in the dream world, Pisces, Pisces is where we dream. And I'm going to talk about this a a little bit more, but Pisces is where we dream. And what happens in our dream space is our subconscious mind actually helps us to process the day. And so our psyche and our ego doesn't have to necessarily deal with all the pain and suffering of the world. We let it get flushed out through dream space, okay, processed and released. But, and also the dream is one of the themes of Pisces season. Like, can you allow yourself to dream and to get to a dream? What do you have to do? You have to surrender to sleep. Mm -hmm. And so surrender is a big part of Pisces as well. And that surrender, like just letting go into life also leads us to the part of Pisces that people sometimes shy away from is this is where we actually embody death and Mm -hmm. death is, I mean, people die in all sorts of different ways, but oftentimes I've witnessed enough death that you see people will fight and fight and fight And they'll be laying there in their bed with like tubes and medication Mm -hmm. and just their spirit is so resilient and fighting and they're not willing to go. And it's the ultimate final surrender of like, fine, I'll let death take me. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because there's really no escaping it in the end. Mm -hmm. It's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, obviously some people die in quick, sudden, the surrender is not a choice, And is surrender really a choice in death either? I don't know. Or, you know, but it's such a big piece of Pisces season is how we can learn to surrender. And so coming off this Aquarius season where you've got a lot of opportunity to reinvent and recreate yourself and let your weirdo flag fly and, (laughs) and, you know, rebrand essentially Mm -hmm. in Pisces season, it's like, wow, okay. I always need to remember that I may be able to do a part of this, but I also have to surrender to the greater force. That's always looking out for my best. And Mm -hmm. I can't muscle my way through things or, or think my way through things. I have to allow the unfolding to happen. And so they're contrasting energies, really, these two. And mm-hmm. I think Pisces ultimately looks back at Aquarius and says, hey, science, science is used to understand me, but God comes first. 
Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Like we try, yeah. we try so hard to understand the mystery. We try so hard to understand the body and disease and the environment and creation and all of it mm -hmm. through science and mystical sciences. But ultimately what comes first? It's source, it's spirit, mm -hmm. it's creation. And so if we can let go of the thinking and allow the fullest embodiment of experience to happen, that's Pisces. And to yeah. do it from that place of mystery. So when I look at this kind of stuff, like Aquarius, which is, you know, very mental and air is one of those things where we often get trapped in definition, in conclusion, in this is how things work. And so mm -hmm. I am going to structure my thoughts, my feelings, my life around what I, how I believe things work, be, whether they're scientific or, and, or, you know, Saturn structures or, you know, something else. We have this idea about how it works and we sort of conform ourselves to that idea, but there's the contrasting thing, like what you're talking about in, in Pisces, which for me is really about resting in the mystery and understanding yeah. how much of the flows of life I don't understand, but knowing that they do flow and that if I flow along with them and I surrender into that flow, that I'm, I'm always in that flow, even if I'm like, well, I don't really know what's happening now, but you know, I'm just continuing to surrender into the moment and allow it to unfold the way that it's, it's unfolding itself because it's, <laughs> it unfolds itself. Like what I do doesn't matter It all. It unfolds itself. So those are the two <laughs> contrasting things. It's, it's like the, the action and the faith. Exactly. For me, Pisces helps me to not have to figure it out, you mm -hmm. know, to recognize yes. like, there's freedom in that. Mm -hmm. There's safety in that. There's trust in that. Like, and I think that's one of the things that people struggle with the most. Like, there's no proof of God. There's no proof of life after death. There's no proof that there's a benevolent force <laughs> behind everything, making sure that you're being taken care of. There's no proof of right. any of that. No. Right. And so for people that have that strong mind, even you know, from an atheist perspective, like you guys are all wackadoodles, <laughs> right? Like there's no proof of any of this. How, and for me, I'm like, well, wait a second. If there's a mystery of something so much bigger than me and I don't have to figure it out, I can just trust that yeah. the universe has got my back. And I like living from that better. And just because we don't scientifically have the means to measure something, doesn't mean it doesn't exist. A thousand years right. ago, we could not scientifically measure gravity, but if somebody dropped a rock on your head, it still hit your head. So <laughs> we understood yeah. how it works and we could work within the forces of, of like that kind of, you know, large scale gravity, not the planetary gravities, but, but how gravity worked in ordinary life. Cause we understood like how it happened, even if we didn't understand and, and were not able to measure the scientific forces behind it. So, you know, anybody who has been in that state of flow and who has surrendered and has experienced how that works knows how it works, whether or not we're able to measure that scientifically yet or ever. Yeah. And some people are like, what, who cares about science? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so this is, this is the, you know, I've said, I've repeated this at many different um, podcasts that we've done. The signs beside each other are often opposites. Mm -hmm. So, and here we see it again in a big way. I do. 
So do you want to talk about the astrology? Because February is a very interesting end to it. And March, uh, you know, Pisces season, it's just pretty interesting. It is. So I did want to say, because if you haven't listened to um, Aquarius, you might want to go back and listen to that because Aquarius season ended with this giant open spaciousness that then all of a sudden in the beginning of Pisces season becomes different, becomes something different. So do you want to review that just for a moment before we go into Pisces? So there's a little bit of um, understanding about the contrast between those two. Sure. So super quickly, as of February 3rd, all planets are direct. So as of February 4th, Saturn and the sun are conjunct each other. It's an incredible day for you to really step into your integrity, your discipline, your fortitude, really like step up your game. Like, what are you here doing? <laughs> right. And, mm-hmm. and get, I, in my notes, I use the swear word. I said, get shit done. <laughs> right. <laughs> and through February, there isn't a lot of astrological aspects. I mean, February 11th, we have, it's pretty interesting on February 11th. There's a few different things going on. Um, you can go back to the other podcast to catch that because I don't want to go into too much detail. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. on the 16th, we have the full moon. And this full moon, because you have this opportunity to recreate yourself and reinvent yourself on the full moon in Leo, it's saying, do you actually have the courage to do it? Can you step into your most authentic expression and participate in humanity in a way that is going to help bring us deeper into our hearts? Right. Like we got to work on healing. We've been sick for Mm -hmm. a while. We need to work on healing. And then two days after that Leo full moon, the sun moves into Pisces. So it's quite quick um, afterwards. (laughs) Okay. And then now here's the deal for all the Americans that are listening. We have the first of three American Pluto returns. So I'm going to explain what this is a little bit because people are like, I have no idea what you're talking about. That means nothing to me. You're speaking gibberish. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but so Pluto as a planet is, uh, death transformation and rebirth and Pluto Mm -hmm. shows us our power. It shows us like where, how are we powerful? Where are we powerful? How can we be in our power, most empowered self? And when Pluto goes around the Zodiac, it takes 250 ish years. In this case, what are we to it's. The U.S. was born in 1776, the Constitution was written. And so 2022, it's going to be how many years old? 246 years old, something like that. So a human will never experience a Pluto return. That's just not Mm -hmm. something that a human experiences. But a country can because it lives hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. And at the Pluto return. So it's when Pluto in the sky comes back to the exact degree that Pluto was in the birth chart. Mm -hmm. And this Pluto return, we have three because of retrogrades. One is Mm -hmm. on February and it's slow. So I'm just going to say the last third of February. (laughs) Um, I think it's exact on February 22nd. Then it happens again in July. And then it happens again in, I believe, December. And, uh, when we look at a Pluto return, what it is, it's really a reckoning. It's a mm-hmm. reckoning. It's like, how, how are we going to rebirth ourselves as a nation? And mm-hmm. here I am sitting in Canada, but I just spent seven years in the U.S. <laughs> and my husband yeah. and I, we're not committed to one country or another. So we're a multi-country kind of family. So uh-huh. I'm like, we, um, yeah. I'm very invested in what's going on in the U.S. But luckily we have three chances to do this. And so Capricorn 
as a archetype, which is where the Pluto return is happening. Uh, Mm -hmm. Pluto is in Capricorn. Capricorn rules government. It rules Mm -hmm. all systems and structure. And the last degrees of Capricorn is actually where we see enslavement. And when we look at some of the historical events, events of the United States, a lot of those cycles, like the American Revolution, the beginning of slavery, over the Mm -hmm. last year, we've seen these cycles come back around. Mm -hmm. And so one of the big questions that we need to ask ourselves as a nation is, are we going to enslave again? Are we going to- And what does that look like? Because, you know, obviously it wouldn't look like it did 150 years ago, but it can look like something entirely different. You know, there's a lot of correlations between how, you know, low wages and having to work 80 hours as a form of slavery in order to survive. It's just, it's just formulated a little bit differently than it, than it had been in the past, but there's a lot of ways to enslave people and being open to seeing the various ways can be quite important. That's right. And, and I think that there's no mistake that this huge Black Lives Matter movement, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously it started before the end of 2020, mm-hmm. but it, you know, with the protests and everything, it got really more front and center in everybody's lives. And you couldn't be an American without participating in or being parallel to the conversations around unpacking white supremacy and all all of the topics that that cross this threshold of understanding the behavior of humans in Mm -hmm. America and the systems and structure that founded this country. Yeah. And so this is really now we've seen it, we pulled it up to the surface. And now in 2022, we're saying, well, what are we going to do with this? Are we going to dismantle these structures? Are we going to create new structures that create similar uh, systemic issues for us, but maybe Mm -hmm. targeting different and, or also, or does, are we changing out one system of enslavement for another system of enslavement that still Mm -hmm. keeps the black population, you know, like there's just so many questions to be asking. I'm not an expert on this at all. Um, I'm sitting here humbly doing my own work to understand it. And, but I can't talk about the astrology of Pisces season or 2022 without saying, Hey, this is all up for review and reckoning. And what are we going to do about it? So, and of course, this is a super divisive topic and Mm -hmm. people have all different kinds of views on it. And even, I don't know, it's, 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 um, it's, it's challenging and we have an opportunity to do better, a huge mm-hmm. opportunity to do better. Yes. So the, the other things that we're looking at is in, and I'm going to fast forward into the year a little bit because it's difficult okay. to, it's difficult to talk about this one without looking at the rest of the year on April 12th, we have Jupiter and Neptune, the co-rulers of Pisces conjunct mm-hmm in Pisces. So to me, this is one of the biggest aspects of 2022. There's a, there are a few more that are on the same level, but this one is so big because both Jupiter and Pisces are extra strong in, uh, Pisces, Mm -hmm. Jupiter and Neptune. So Neptune rules the subconscious mind, our ability Mm -hmm. to uh, access universal unconditional love. It Mm -hmm. also rules the illusions and the freedom from illusion. It also rules the psychic realm or the completely delusional realm. It also Mm. rules 
entertainment, Hollywood, um, acting, uh, the show, whatever show is being put on, that's part of the Mm -hmm. illusion, right? It also rules drugs, both um, street drugs and pharmaceutical drugs. Mm -hmm. It also rules the media. Wow. That's (laughs) a lot for for the planet. (laughs) But when you look at it, they're uh-huh. all part of the illusion. It's all part of yeah, the show. It is true. It's, it's all, all part of the show. Right. Yeah. And so we have Jupiter coming in and conjuncting it. It's going to expand that whole realm and maybe be revealing. It might blow mm-hmm. some things up. It might bring some really high teachings about our relationship with all of these things. Mm-hmm. But I look at this date, this conjunction in April. And I just think, wow, this is a turning point. This is a, I mean, I think that the, uh, naturally there's always two sides of everything. I think that some people will have an incredible awakening experience where all of a sudden they're freed from illusion. They're freed from the lies. They're freed from, they see the show for what the show is. They see mm-hmm. the characters, they see, you know, all of it. And, and other people, will get further driven into the illusion of it. They'll be, they'll, they won't realize that the play is a play. They think right. that the play is real. Yeah. And we've seen a lot of that. Yeah. And so this is going to be super interesting, I think. And, and when we come into this Pisces new moon, we're coming into the energy of that. And the Pisces new moon, it's one of the early aspects in Pisces season because it is where it's like the most Pisces of the Pisces that we can be. (laughs) Right. And so it's Uh super sensitive. Hopefully my wish on this Pisces new moon is that we do learn how to surrender. We learn to release our grip on the things we think is true because nothing Mm -hmm. is actually true. Right. No, you can look at things from a thousand different ways. Yeah, exactly. And so we can release our grip on that a little bit and move mm-hmm. into more, a more surrendered place. Um, but it's also mutable. And so this moon could perhaps thicken our confusion first, mm-hmm. which will enliven, you know, who searches harder for understanding than the one that is confused? Well, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Well, when you look at people that start their spiritual path, right? Like yeah. if I, if I were to go back over the 13 years that I've been running yoga teacher trainings, and one of the first questions I ask at every training is what brought you to yoga? Mm-hmm. Nearly everybody has a story of suffering and yeah. it's the suffering. And although yoga isn't a religion or anything like that, it, for many people, it's the entry point to a spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. And I think you could probably go into many spiritual realms and ask the same question and say, well, what started you down this path? And they'll tell yeah. you, mm-hmm. I lost my job. I lost my marriage. I had cancer. I was sick. I, my world yeah. got flipped upside down. I finally got sick of my nonsense. I was depressed. I, right. It's a story of yeah. suffering. Or it's a story mm-hmm. of confusion. And so what we might see is this increase of suffering that helps to wake up more people to spirituality. Because I think if we ask people who once weren't living in their heart Mm -hmm. and now are living in their heart, like what Mm -hmm. brought them back to their heart, Mm -hmm. it would be that it would be a a moment of suffering that they finally broke free of. Probably. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. and what we so desperately need during this year of reckoning Mm -hmm. is a return to the heart. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. I think it will be interesting for everybody, not just Americans, not just the people that are directly affected, but the exchange of perspective, like the mm-hmm. way that Americans see Americans and the way that the world sees Americans are two very different ways. And part of the awakening for America can perhaps be the way the rest of the world sees them. Mm -hmm. Right. And that will cause Mm -hmm. a transformation if we can get there. (laughs) Maybe not. (laughs) Well, and for better and for worse, because there are people on both Mm -hmm. sides that, you know, who see America as the domineering and, you know, pushing our weight around and sort of the ugly American in travel. And then some people who see America in, in the idealistic way of, you know, this is a place that stands for freedom and opportunity and um, inclusion. And absolutely. neither of those are absolutely true, but there's a mix of both of those uh, within the larger culture and a thousand other things as well. So I was traveled a lot and I've always found it really interesting to see how people respond to me when they find out I'm an American and, and what they bring to the conversation, the, the assumptions that they bring. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's uh, sort of very instructive and helps me actually understand my country better. Yes. And I love when people are like, well, for myself as a Canadian, when I moved down to the US, I had a whole bunch of ideas about what Americans were. And then I lived in my life in California and I was like, oh, Americans are not what the world thinks. These are incredible, amazing humans, kind and loving and genius and creative. And, you know, like we certainly have that side. Yeah. And then there's, there's, you know, the American shadow, which is what's coming up now to be re-examined and to look at it um, through that, that lens of Pluto, which is all about, you know, revealing the shadow and bearing your heart, bearing your secrets and bringing them up and making you look at your shit. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, and then there's, because we're in Pisces season and we have Jupiter and Neptune in Pisces we're, and, and actually we're going to have other planets move into Pisces. So at the beginning of the season, Mercury is in Aquarius and it's going to move into Pisces. Mm-hmm. And we have Venus is in Capricorn at the beginning of the season and it's going to move into Aquarius mm-hmm. and Mars is in Capricorn and it's going to move into Aquarius. And so when we look at the personal planets, they're in Aquarius thinking about like, how are we going to help with the change and the innovation? And then Mercury comes into Pisces and is all sensitive, you know, on March 9th, Mm -hmm. Mercury comes in and they're just like, Hey, Hey, we got to bring the heart and the compassion and the love. And, you know, it's, it comes in just after the first of the Pluto returns. Now my expectation, yeah, my expectation is that we won't necessarily see something dramatic on that day because it's Mm -hmm. a year long process, right? you know, and more so we might, I mean, the astrology has been incredibly amazing. You know, the, the Saturn Uranus conjunction that we were talking about way back in Capricorn season Mm -hmm. over that week, we saw 8,000 flights canceled worldwide because of big weather, you know, Uh It was pretty exact. So we might see something significant happening. Um, but what, what, what I anticipate seeing more so is that it will be more intense in the beginning. The second mm-hmm. time will give us a chance to work something out. And the third time will finally be working it out, if that okay. makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I think the intensity will be earlier and then it will integrate into right. action as we carry forward. So, okay. Interesting year then. Yeah. Because when we've talked about sort of three things happening in the past, uh, but through various conjunctions and retrogrades and things like that, it does always seem like, you know, there's sort of the stumbling over the rock 
and then the oh. analyzing of the rock and then like the acceptance of the rock and exactly. moving on, uh, which is not the best uh, analogy, but, but it does always seem like that, that last one is, is key. So, so we have 2022 really to work on uh, what we're starting out with in this, w- with this first Pluto return at the beginning of Pisces. Okay. But I find it, it's interesting that it, it shows up at the last of the Zodiac. Well, isn't it though? Isn't it kind mm-hmm. of awesome? Because we can't look at Pluto without looking at death and we can't look at Pisces yeah. without looking at death. And so we have to be able to say something's going to die. What's going to mm-hmm. die? What's not serving us? What's, right. you know, and like you said, in the Aquarius podcast, it's the death of the ego. Yeah. And I think that as a, as a thing could adjust everything that we were just talking about, you know, like to have mm-hmm. a little bit of ego death, some humility yeah. come in. And be like, yeah. oh, wait a second. <laughs> We're not invincible. And to remember too, because you know, we talk about when we think about death, when we think about our death, we think, well, you know, when I die, everything's done, you know, because I'm dead and I'm not looking at here anymore. But really, I mean, if you look at the whole the whole of cycles, death and rebirth are are the same thing. They're two sides of the same <laughs> coin. And so every year we have the death and the rebirth of seasons and every day we have the death and the rebirth of, you know, the dawn and, and the night and things. And so everything in life is about closings and openings about death and rebirth. And mm-hmm. so when we think about, and when we sit there and we think about what do we want, and I've been doing a lot of this, I'm, I'm writing a book and, and it's a novel. So it's, and it's about 30 years in the future. So it really is about the death of this mm-hmm. cycle and what might, what, hopefully in my fantasy world might show up next. But when you're looking at what you want next, you can't actually have that rebirth without a death. And sometimes I think we try to sort of skip that part and uh, we end up laden with all of this baggage carrying around the old and trying to implement the new. And really the best way to, in my view, really step into the new is not by trying to, you know, hold on to the old and retinker it so that it's new, but to step in that new fully formed as best you can and to let die those things that just don't have any place in the new. And, mm. and you know, I, and I mean that metaphorically and also um, from a structural sense and things like that. I and mean, there's a lot of talk of civil wars. I'm not talking about it in those terms because that's hopefully not something that's going to happen, but the, that we can collectively look at what do we really want together and mm-hmm. what can we let go of that's really not serving us so that we can have this new thing. And um, to me, you know, there's an ego death. There's, um, and the, the egos of nations are huge, you know, yeah. <laughs> are extraordinary. If you look at, if you look at um, the world as a, from an egoic sense, and you look at these giant egos of these countries all interacting, it's really strange. So part of it's the ego death of, of um, a nation and, and how do we become humble and humbly regrow from, from what it is that we value. Yeah, you nailed it. <laughs> I'm like, I'm kind of speechless. <laughs> well, um, because Capricorn is where we relook at our values as well. You know, we do it in Taurus and we do it in Capricorn. And, and what do we value and how do we want to live from? It's impossible to say what's going to happen. But I have faith in mm-hmm. Americans' love for their country to rebirth in a way that will be. I have faith in the creative process of what can come through the love of the nation. And when I look at people that keep saying like, 
astrologically is the pandemic over yet? Like when's the pandemic going to be over? (laughs) Is 2022 going to be any better? And my answer is consistently, we have not seen the breaking point yet. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the Pluto return returns over the course of the year that we Mm -hmm. could potentially see the breaking point, right? There could be something like you said, civil war as a thing. And I'm not, I'm not claiming that as what's going on, but we have an incredible divide and we have, Mm -hmm. you know, a big lack of trust in government in general, no Mm -hmm. matter what side it's, you know, people are coming from. And I think that, and because this Pluto return is happening in Capricorn, I think there is a high potential for a breaking point to come through the breakdown of government. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that's a real um, potential. Mm-hmm. And when we see that breaking point and we actually allow for things to crumble, because as much as we have been saying, oh, we're watching systems crumble, we haven't let them crumble yet. Yeah. Right. There hasn't yeah. been that surrender to be like, mm-hmm. you know, people are still trying to get back to their old life or they do still want the systems to work or, you know, but we haven't seen that point yet. And well, I, I look forward to it, even though I know it will be uncomfortable. Well, because, and I think in part because we can't imagine what's next. Like the whole, the whole mm-hmm. idea now with the divide is that we just blame the other people. So nobody can govern because whoever's, because nobody wants the same thing. So no matter who's in power, you know, even the people who are like, yeah, I'm glad my guy's in power are like, I don't want this either. And right. so we fight back and forth about making the other person wrong. And it then becomes all about winning when, you know, and, and governing has gone completely by the wayside. But we're not yet at that point where we're able to sit down and aspire together and say, what do we value so that we can, you know, step into that next level possibility without trying to resurrect it from the ashes of this division, because then that's just more division, right? You know, we've got this, this opportunity and and I wanted to just harken back for a moment to the Aquarius, because hopefully people have done their work then about looking at what do they want personally and who do they want to be personally and who do they want to be as part of a human family? And then what kind of a human family do we want to live in? Mm-hmm. And so if you're bringing that introspection and that vision to this year, this astrological year and this year of um, the U.S. Pluto return, then hopefully more and more people can be thoughtful in this process and begin to let go of like trying to point fingers at the other side and blame because that really never works anyway. And look at the problems that everybody thinks are a problem. I mean, the last five election cycles here have been about people wanting change, but not being able to articulate what that change is. They just know that Mm. what's happening now is not what they want. And so, but the systems themselves have not changed. So we're not able to create something new because we're holding on to these old systems that hold the old in place and often in ways that are deeply, deeply hidden. So if we're all doing our work so that we're stepping into our own aspirations and who we can be as as a human being and the vision that we see for our our human family, our country and our, our global society, then hopefully we're in a better place to be able to not be in reaction and to begin to say, well, what are some systems that we do have that actually are modeling a way forward? Because there are a lot. I'm looking at a lot of things that are already in place that are 
non-hierarchical, that are self-organizing, mm-hmm. that meet the needs of people right where they are without them trying to force people to you know, fit into some mold somehow. And they're happening in, you know, on a small level in local governments, they're happening in healthcare, they're happening in other aspects of medicine, they're happening in tech, in tech types of things are happening with food distribution and all kinds of different things. Like in across all these different industries, there are these different kinds of systems emerging that are actually much more supportive of people in the reality that we live in versus this kind of conceptual reality that we think that we live in. Um, mm-hmm. So really, if they could be you know, magnified, could be, a, a, could be an easier transition forward than stripping away the old systems and then being like, holy shit, I, now what do we do? <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Because there are a lot of those things in, in, uh, when I look around are already in place. We're just not recognizing them because they're, you know, this little thing here, this little thing here, this little thing here that could all be scaled up, hopefully fairly simply to be able to give us some new models without uh, the chaos that can happen, you know, when you switch from one to the other. Yeah. If we talk about the reinvention in Aquarius season, Pisces can be the time where we actually let some of those things go. So then Mm -hmm. in Aries season, if you rewind all the way back to a year of podcasts, Mm -hmm. it's the prototype maker. It's where we begin again. It's where like Aries as an archetype doesn't have a leader because it came first. Mm -hmm. It's the trailblazer. It's the pioneer. And so we can come through this with this you know, really an American quality of this pioneering spirit to come through. Mm -hmm. And those things that you're talking about that are small today that could potentially, you know, as one system deconstructs, we have another one that's being built to catch us. Mm -hmm. It's all, it's all there, you know, and you're right. We are, we like, we, there's so much innovation happening. There are so many problem solvers hard at work. There Mm -hmm. are micro communities doing the the unordinary, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, and then it's just a matter of can we get a lens on that so that we can see more yeah. possibilities? Because it's like the it's like the five mile or five minute mile, you know, and everybody nobody thought it could be done, and then it was done one once by one guy, and then all of a sudden a ton of people did it yeah. because the possibility mm-hmm. was opened up. And yeah. so all these little micro communities that are doing things a little bit differently, if we can put the lens on it and show more people mm-hmm. possibility. Because I think Pisces, there's a couple other qualities of Pisces that I haven't addressed. And that's that it can be quite chaotic and it can also be riddled with fear, but it's where we also have a chance to face our fears. And Mm -hmm. so through the chaos comes what? Order. And across the Zodiac from Pisces is Virgo and who's better to create order than Virgo, right? Mm -hmm. And so the, the chaos of Pisces on the full moon on March 18th, right at the end of Pisces season. Is that right? It is. It's right at the end. Yeah. Um, the, it, it's actually in a trine. Okay. So the Pluto return is happening at 27 degrees of Capricorn. Mm-hmm. The Virgo full moon is 27 degrees of Virgo and it's trine Pluto. So it's in favorable energy with Pluto helping us to reorganize from this chaos into more order. Wow. And so if we it, like, I actually, you know, it, forget about the country, just look at like an individual person's mm-hmm. breaking point, right? Like mm-hmm. we have to let ourselves get messy and fall apart and mm-hmm. see. And then when we're at the bottom of our own barrel, it's often when we see possibility 
that gives us that hand up, right? You see the possibility, like, I don't need to live like this. And Mm -hmm. so we can see it in our personal self, which makes it easier to see it in the country self, right? Mm -hmm. And so we have to let ourselves get a little messy first. It's so interesting because some of these things, I, I mean, I try my best to listen and stay as open to the realities that are unfolding. Like I might not Mm -hmm. like it, but can I stay present to the conversation so that I can at least understand it? Mm -hmm. Right. Cause a lot of people they'll be like, Oh, I don't like it. I'm going to run away from it. And I don't even want to listen. Right. So (laughs) my aim (laughs) through all of this is like, I might not like it, but can I stay listen? It might be in contrast to what I believe, but can I stay and listen? Mm -hmm. And so some of the stuff that people are fighting against, and you kind of spoke about this in Aquarius season, some of the things that we're fighting against are here for actually going to help us. I'm in Canada right now. I'll give an example. Mm -hmm. We have um, now Justin Trudeau is saying that all truckers have to be vaccinated before they can cross into Canada. Mm -hmm. And this is highly problematic because a lot of truck drivers aren't vaccinated and they're not going to be, which means Canada is going to be cut off from its supply because it will not let the drivers bring the supplies into Canada. Well, and from the U S perspective, there's not many drivers anyway. (laughs) Exactly. We can't afford Um, to lose more drivers. Exactly. And so who's going to get punished. It's going to be Canadians. And, and Mm -hmm. I'm just like, Oh my gosh, like this is, whether you agree with vaccination or not, I really want people to have food, right? Like it's already super hard to get uh, um, like sporting equipment. A lot of it comes from the Mm -hmm. U S but I want to be able to buy my kid a bike. If you know what I mean? Like I want to, I want to have those resources. And at the same time I watch that and I'm like, okay, so this is interesting. It'll be interesting to see what happens, how this plays out. And maybe it's what Canada needs to have more innovation inside of Canada itself. So instead Mm -hmm. of being so reliant on America, you know, that could be playing into the American Pluto return because that impacts the U S as well. Like if we're not buying as much stuff from the U S how does that affect the American economy, you know? And yep. You never know how it's going to play out. When you take that Aquarian, you know, four mile wide view, it is a little bit easier because I, you know, that's kind of the view that I like, but it is a little bit easier to kind of sit back and say, well, listen, I don't like, I don't particularly think this is a smart move on the surface, but this may be the kind of flow shift that we need to begin to illuminate things that actually need to be changed. So um, yes. you know, as much as a lot of things like make me just bite my nails, um, I think, you know, this is the time of reordering. And if we can't see what is happening truly in all the levels, we can't construct something that's going to work better. So just looking at the surface doesn't, isn't really particularly helpful. And there's a whole movement um, here. I don't know about Canada, but there's this whole thing that, well, we don't want people to feel uncomfortable. And I'm like, well, are you alive? Because mostly <laughs> living is not a comfortable venture unless you continue to get more and more protective, which is basically you'll end up living in a little teeny tiny box by the end of your life because you know you've so tried to protect yourself from things. But there's a there's the whole it's a extra reactionary movement to all the changes that people are asking for. Well, we don't want to make anybody uncomfortable by blaming people for, you know, what's gone wrong in the past. And okay, you know, I understand that to a, to a certain extent, but, you know, we all, like you're saying, we all got to get uncomfortable in this yeah. because we're not able to transform without looking at our own discomfort and looking at what's 
part of that discomfort and so we can make better choices moving forward without falling into you know the the blame and the you know all the the toxic elements of that but without being able to look honestly at what it is you don't want to see about yourself which is very plutonian right mm-hmm. um you really can't make changes that are going to be nourishing and helpful to you over the long term so here we are, buckle up. All right, yes, totally. <laughs> we just got to stay on the edge of our seats, you know? We just have to so. stay present. That's, you know, there's nothing. And and I was just talking to a girlfriend who is found out there was, uh, in her pregnancy, she was, brought her child, her unborn child to full term, 37 weeks they considered it, but they started to notice some things were changing in her um, pregnancy. And the mm-hmm. doctor recommended that she has a she was going to do home birth. She wanted unassisted or not unassisted, but like an unmedicated home birth. Mm -hmm. And here she is coming to have to face the fact that she needs to go get induced and this baby's got to come early. Mm -hmm. And as we were talking about it, she was like, I'm scared. I don't know what to do. And I said, you're birthing. There's, it it doesn't matter if you're birthing home unmedicated or Mm -hmm. you're coming in for an induction. The only tool you actually have on your side is presence, no matter Mm -hmm. what you know, and like, we're rebirthing a country in America. She was mm-hmm. rebirthing a baby and, and like, it doesn't matter as long as you're present and you're grounded and you're inside of yourself and you're with the moment, you mm-hmm. can make decisions that are intuitively sound or that are the best for you and the baby in that moment. And so mm-hmm. we need presence more than anything else right now. Yeah. So Right. Like as we're coming through all these things, just so, so present. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and with any, like with any birth metaphor, you can have all the plans that you want, you know, you've got the music and the candles and the home birth and the tub and all this stuff, but you know, birth is what it is. You don't get to choose. Yeah, And you're right. right. You have to be totally in the moment to be able to be present. And also then like, you know, for her to be, to be willing to be adaptable, to say, right. well, you know what? I recognize that the, the my health and the health of my baby is the highest priority. And so even if this happens in a way that's completely different than what I had hoped for, I'm, I'm keeping those highest values in mind and we're just going to move toward what's going to support those highest values in each moment. Um, right. And I think that's sometimes, you know, the metaphor that we need to let go of our own personal ideology of how we think things should be. And mm-hmm. to say, well, what are my, you know, what is my vision for what I want? What kind of a country do I want to live in? How, you know, what kind of relationship do I want to have with my neighbors and not just my neighbors next door, but my neighbors, you know, in a larger community and to look at those values and be able to flow with those values rather than say, oh, this is the little specifics that I need to have to feel safe in my world right now. That's right. And that's what I exactly what I was going to say. No matter if you're like home birthing or hospital birthing, you got to stay true to the intentionality mm-hmm. of the transition with that presence. And so when, what you were saying about our neighbors, like uh, I keep looking at the fighting, you know, between family and friends. And mm-hmm. I just say, wait a second, this is going to end one day mm-hmm. and how we hold each other through this, even in conflict, even in mm-hmm. differing views is far more important than anything else. Like, Sure, I might be sitting on the opposite end of a of a major decision than somebody near to me, but that doesn't mean mm-hmm. that I get cruel to them or I, right. you know, disengage with them or whatever. Can we be? Can we hold our differences as part of our greatest value? 
like as part of our greatest resource. Mm -hmm. So yes, you go back to some really old teachings, be kind to thy neighbor. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That our differences are our strengths. And I know there's a sort of a pat thing, but when you look at nature, you know, when everything is the same, you know, that's when ecosystems die. And so being open to the flows of what all means to be part of a healthy ecosystem um, is really important because if it's all homogenous, um, it, it does not have any kind of staying power. That's right. Yeah. So here we go. All right. Yes. Yep. What an exciting time to be alive. So- Isn't it? <laughs> And, and that's so Piscean of you to say that, right? Like, oh, can we just trust that we we came here now for a reason? We are, <laughs> our soul is so excited to be participating in this right. time now. You know, it's just that's so right. yeah. came here for this. We did come here for this, and I, I you know, how people have different belief systems, and I, I try to be open to whatever people want to believe. But that is one of the things that. I keep hearing again and again, and and it's something I've told myself again and again over the years is I'm, I'm here um, because like, there's a reason for me to be here. And it's not some reason outside of, you know, some cosmic something or other necessarily, but it's, it was for me to participate in life in this moment, whatever that is. And sometimes it's, it's fun and exciting. And sometimes, you know, it's exciting in ways that I don't particularly like. Yeah. Um, But it's the adventure of, of showing up in the moment and writing it and, and just, you know, in my, my highest moments, being able to bask in things, even when they're uncomfortable or painful, or they really suck, but to be just so extraordinary, grateful of being here. Yep. Yep. Oh, all right. So it's been great talking with you. We've had 14 conversations, I think. The most I've had with anybody because we've done the whole astrological chart or the astrological zodiac time and a couple of before we did that. So is there any last wisdom you want to leave with people before we let go? Or is there any last parts of, of Pisces that you want to talk about? Because we really went wide this time. We didn't we narrow did. down. Into but that's Pisces. so Pisces. That is Pisces. It's the expanse. It's the great expanse. No, I think the last thing I would love to share with everybody is that if you're interested in astrology and you want to really dive into what it means for you personally is start by finding your birth time. And a lot of states in the U.S., it's on your um, birth certificate. You can get Mm -hmm. it from birth records and then pull up your chart and get a reading. I'm I'm doing readings again. Um, There's lots of astrologers that do readings. You find somebody who you like their perspective and how they share and get to know your own chart because it's so revealing. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we can look at the universal stuff that's going on, but it really starts to impact and make sense when you look at it and say, wow, okay, that is me. You know, we talked about as a life coach for the year, but it can be this incredible life coach for yourself. We're shifting and changing at a tune to the moon. It would be weird to talk about reinventing yourselves uh, in the podcast and not do it myself. (laughs) (laughs) And we're moving more towards um, what I'm calling just astro journals. So there are little workbooks for um, different astrological events where in the beginning, I actually walk you through how to figure out how it's impacting your own chart. And so mm -hmm, it's super fun. And then um, we're also going to be doing some astrology courses so that you can, when I say a trine or a sextile or I say in third house, you actually know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so those will be really fun too. I think, you know, it was about six years ago, I was in 
it was a yoga training, but I brought astrology into it. And I just had this insight. I said, you know, how yoga is so popular and everybody's a yoga teacher. I think that's where astrology is going. You know, astrology mm-hmm. is becoming increasingly popular and pretty soon everybody's going to be an astrologer. And to me, that's super exciting because it's a language that we can have, that we can understand that helps us to know ourselves better and mm-hmm. also to know ourselves as a collective. Mm-hmm. It builds so much compassion, so much understanding. It creates spaciousness around, you know, strong opinions. It helps us to relieve our suffering. It's just such a powerful language for us to understand. And it's this map that's just up there in the sky waiting to be understood. You know, I love when humans say, um, being a human doesn't come with an owner's manual. And I'm like, no, it does actually. It's <laughs> right there. It's in the sky. That's the owner's manual. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, the owner manual that's sitting in the filing cabinet that you keep having troubles with. And one day you go open it up and you're like, oh, that's how my, my stove works. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, you open up the owner's manual yep. through the astrology. And you're like, oh, this yeah. thing that I've been feeling that I want to do, but the world told me I can't, it says mm-hmm. right in my chart that I should. Yeah. And then your life completely changes, you know, like Absolutely. it's just such a great tool. So you can find Janet's information and websites on conversationsfromtheedge.net or um, on the show notes in here, uh, wherever you're listening to this. And it has been such a pleasure talking with you for the last year. I have just feel so grateful that uh, we've been able to do this and to bring this amazing insight through to help people. And I think if people listen Again, like starting with Aries, there's so much in there that's non-specific to, you know, this Aries, but is very um, specific to Aries itself that you can continue to listen to this and really build, you know, through the years and not just think, oh, well, that year's over. Yep. If you listen to the first half of all of those podcasts, you'll get an astrology lesson on all of the signs. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. it's a great resource. I actually send people to the podcast sometimes and they're like, I don't know how to learn astrology. I'm like, listen to the first half of all of these podcasts. <laughs> but yeah. And thank you so much for having me. This has been really uh, enriching for me as well and actually inspired some different work within myself. So I want to thank you for that. And I'm really excited about your book. I can't wait till you <laughs> share your book. Me with the too. World. It'll be a little while because it's fiction and it has to go through a lot of different editing processes, but it'll be out there eventually. Amazing. All right. Well, we will, maybe we'll talk again soon. So keep paying attention and see if there's something else that another conversation that comes up with Jana and me, but thank you All so right. much. Thank you. Take care. This is your host, Christine Madera. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation from the edge of consciousness. You can find all our conversations at conversationsfromtheedge.net. You'll also find links to schedule a private conversation with me or any of my friends, as well as tools to help you expand your own consciousness and explore what's possible for you outside the boundaries of your current perceptions. Feel free to use this podcast to start your own conversation by sharing it with friends on social media in your blog, or even in your own podcast. And as always, live the adventure of pushing your own edge. It's the most amazing adventure there is.